Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is the Bible? What is it worth? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Life is full of struggles and it is void. But we are made in the image of God. Lord, I have to praise you to the moon and back. I don't see anything wrong with that. Lord, it's me you help. Lord, it's me you kept. Lord, it's me you move. Lord, it's me you move. Lord, it's me you touch. I love you so much. Oh, my Lord, I have to say thank you. Open my eyes. What do I see? Have I inventoried my life lately? Welcome to Holy Bible Study and Discussion with Jerry. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, to God goes the glory. God goes the glory. The glory. glory. All right, welcome to Holy Bible Study and Discussion with Jerry. Our mission to provide the knowledge that will train sisters and brothers in Christ to spread God's love and create disciples. Our vision to share all resources that will aid in the knowledge necessary for the building of God's kingdom. The adversary does not know what to do with those who possess integrity. We are not human beings on a spiritual journey. On the contrary, we are spiritual beings on a human journey. With that being said, we will open this Holy Bible study session up with prayer. So please join in. O Holy Eternal Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is once again that we come unto you as humble as we know how. Realizing that there have been times that we have fallen short of your glory, dear God. Ignored your teachings and broken your commandments. Now we realize we were wrong and you alone are worthy to be praised, worshipped, and obeyed. We continue to realize that you are the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you for continuing to be our all and all, as well as your provisions of protection. We understand when the breath of life came in contact with man's body, the soul was produced and we became a living soul. Thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to witness with our spirit, allowing us to become one with you. Reminding us that we are yours, your hedges of protection are greatly appreciated. Thank you for your continued graces and mercies. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, welcome to the HBS and DWJ podcast. I am Jerry Joyce, your host. Our scripture of the week is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, King James Version. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All right, here Jesus has made an extraordinary claim, and now he makes an extraordinary offer to all who hear him. 
He claimed in the previous verse to be the only one who knows God the Father and to be able to reveal their Father to anyone he chooses. We can find this information in Matthew chapter 11 verses 25 through 27. Now he makes an invitation. If you're struggling and tired, I can give you relief. Here is the implication. Jesus Jesus' Jewish listeners were engaged in a mighty struggle to know God the Father. Their religious leaders had placed enormous burdens on them, as we can find in Matthew chapter 23, verse 4, and they were laboring to carry those burdens in hopes of being approved by God. Jesus has just said that he can reveal his Father to anyone. And he immediately offers rest to everyone who is weighed down. Jesus is not talking about physical rest, necessarily. The following verse will describe it as a rest for the soul. The path to the Father through Jesus is not one of weary labor and heavy work. Jesus' earlier analogy about the path to life being narrow and difficult as found in Matthew chapter 7 verse 14 is entirely separate and speaking from a different perspective. From the view of the world following Christ means taking on difficult circumstances and giving up worldly pleasures. From the view of eternity of salvation following Christ means giving up the impossible task of carrying our own sin. Christ does not say it here, but the gospel will reveal that Jesus is offering to carry the burden and do the work in order to lead those who come to him, those who are yoked to him, to the Father. As we can find in Matthew chapter 11, verses, verse 30, and uh, John chapter 6, verse 29. All right, our topic today is the rains cease discussion. Because the biblical account is a reliable record of earth history, it is to be expected that these milestones would be significant in correlating the prominent geological features preserved in the rock record. All right, now for example, we are told that one of that the onset of the flood was triggered by the breaking up of the foundations of the great deep. This would imply a violent beginning to the flood as springs or fountains of water burst forth to spew vast quantities of water and perhaps other material onto the surface from deeper inside the earth. Furthermore, because this subterranean water and other materials bursting forth is mentioned first in Genesis chapter 7 verse 11 and chapter 8 verse 2, this may suggest that the majority of the water for the flood came from that source and perhaps helped to supply the waters that referred, that are referred to as falling through the windows of heaven. Now the springs of the great deep were likely the trigger that ultimately resulted in the continental sized breaking up of the earth's crust. The bursting forth of subterranean waters would probably produce tsunamis, uh, granting the ocean depth was sufficient, and would therefore seem to also imply that the flood began with catastrophic means. Thus, 
This description of the onset of the flood provides clues as to where we should look in the geological record for the pre-flood slash flood boundary. Of course, the issue of pre-flood sedimentation needs to be discussed. Rivers such as the Pishon, the Gihon or Gihon, Hittikel, which is the Tigris, and Euphrates, all found in Genesis chapter 2 verses 11 through 14, would have been carrying some sediment for about 1,656 years from the creation. Now, it is also possible for other smaller catastrophes to have uh, occurred during this time, such as volcanoes. Now, this raises an interesting question. Alright, now, were these sediments disturbed and or redistributed during the flood, or were they buried in situ? Hmm... Another milestone with geological implications is day 150. At this stage of the flood, we are told that the ark came to rest in the mountains of Ararat. This implies that modern mountain building, at least in what we now call the Middle East, had begun. And we could also see uh, Psalm chapter 104, or some may say book 104, verses 8 and 9. All right, now, furthermore, it is, uh, or if our current understanding of mountain building is correct, the information of the mountains of Ararat required the Eurasian plate, African plate, and Arabian plate to collide with one another, and perhaps with some contribution from the movement of the Indian plate. Now, the springs of the Great Deep were likely to trigger that ultimately were likely the trigger that ultimately uh, resulted in the continental-sized breakup of the Earth's crust. The biblical account also indicates that on day 150, the springs of the great deep were stopped and the windows of heaven were closed. From, the, from, then, on the, from then on, the waters began to steadily recede. Alright, now, therefore, we might expect to see in the geological record evidence for a transition, perhaps from larger scale sediment layers to smaller scale geologic effects, as well as higher concentration of basin, abyssal plain, and continental shelf sedimentation. Yet, another milestone is day 314. By this time, during the flood, Uh, During the flood event, the biblical account indicates that the water had receded from all of the continental land surfaces sufficiently for the surface of the landscape to essentially be dry, at least in the areas as far as Noah could observe. Then finally, by day 370, 370, the earth's continental land surfaces were dry. Alright, now... Thus, it can be noted that the recessional stage of the flood, when the waters were retreating, lasted about five and a half months, while the flood's um, inundatory stage, when the waters were rising, lasted um, exactly five months. So the recessional stage lasted almost the same length of time as it took for 
the uh, water to overtake the, uh, the earth globally. So, the flood event finished with another two months needed to complete the drying process. After the flood ended on day 370, with the command for Noah to exit the ark, it would seem that the hydrological cycle had already been reestablished. This is indicated by the rain clouds through which Noah saw the rainbow and the uh, set times for seed time and harvest in accordance with the seasonal cycle of rain. And we can find this information in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 as, as well as chapter 9 verses 12 through 17. Of course, other milestones throughout the flood account um, could be highlighted, but these are the most relevant to geological and weather processes and should be uh, suffice for this brief overview. Do you have the complexion for the protection? It is now time for our life reflection. All right, according to the things of the heart, oh, I'm sorry, according to the things of the sort.com, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, verses 28 through 30. And we are going to look at this amazing passage of scripture that tells us who Jesus is for us. All right, now it's such an important thing to see because. We carry around so many wrong or incomplete thoughts of who Jesus is, about how he thinks about us, interacts with us, treats us, and so forth. Now, if you were able to describe someone you didn't know, if you were able to describe to someone you didn't know who Jesus, about Jesus, or who Jesus is, or what the heart of Jesus is like, what would you say? Hmm. Well... Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 is one really good answer. Starting with verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now this is God's word. No matter what it looks like on the outside, we come weary and heavy laden just by living in this broken world. We come in need of a rest we cannot give ourselves, longing for gentleness in a yoke only found in Jesus. And an easy one where the burden is light and the rest is eternal. Jesus offers himself to the real us, not some future version of ourselves, not some cleaned up image of ourselves, but just plain old us, you, me, and us. Weary, mournful, depressed, anxious, failing, sinful, old us. We come to him as we are without any pretense, without anything in our hands to offer but need. Asking him to convert our longing into reality, transform sorrow into joy, remove the guilt of sin by his blood, and give new life to those barely hanging on. These three verses where we're looking at today are perfect for people like us because they show us the kind of heart Jesus has for us. 
Now, Charles Spurgeon uh, pointed out that in all the Gospels, this is the only place that Jesus himself speaks of what his own heart is like. All right. Um, Gentle and lowly, not harsh and reactionary, not easily put out and frustrated, not ready to strike you down. He is the most understanding person in the world. As author Dane Othlund says, the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms, gentle and lowly, gentle enough for the worst of us and lowly enough for the humblest of us. We can't actually be too needy for Jesus. He's not put off by our neediness. I mean, we can think ourselves too good for Jesus, which is crazy, but we can never be too bad for him. So, as we continue our season of prayer and reset as a church, I want us to just listen to who Jesus is, what his heart is for us. So, let's listen to his heart for us, which is his heart for our city, for our neighborhood, for our workplace, for our school, for this world. As we listen, we hear three things. The invitation to Jesus, which is in verse 28. The pathway of Jesus, which is verse 29, part 8. The promise from Jesus, which is verse 29, part B through 30. The invitation to Jesus. Let's start there. Verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come to me. Jesus doesn't say work toward me. He doesn't say earn me. He doesn't say deserve me. He says come to me. What does it mean to come to Jesus? In this verse, the word come isn't only a command. It's also an exclamation. Now, Pastor Ray Orthlon puts it this way. Jesus is saying something like, hey, guys, I'm over here. We're running around everywhere, going from place, one place to another, trying to make our life work. And we're just not noticing the gentle and lowly Savior sitting right before our eyes, offering everything we're longing for. The truth is, Jesus isn't hard to find. He's made himself available, and he wants to get our attention because of who he is and the one thing we most need. All right? Come is a present tense command here. Jesus isn't asking us to come tomorrow or the next day or someday out in the future, but today. Come today. Leave your self-reliant efforts today. Leave your sins today. Leave your burdens today and come. Rest is here, right here, right now for you. Just come. In a world that demands our learning, our doing, our working before anything else, Jesus asked only first for our coming. Our new life begins right there, just by coming to him. Yet, even still, we find a way to complicate this. Now, don't we? Hmm. We imagine some hard conditions, some preliminary work, some qualifications or prerequisites, but Jesus asks us only to come as we are, 
with all that we are. If we were to write this on his behalf, I think we might be tempted to put a filter after that first phrase, wouldn't we? Hmm? How would you write it, huh? Come to me, blank. Now, maybe we put a filter on that for our others, but often we put a filter on it for ourselves. We think we can't possibly come to Jesus. How could we? Look at us. Ugh. But who gave us the right to add to God's word, to change God's word? What does Jesus say? Come to me, all. Jesus uses a word here big enough to include every type of sinner in the world, every type of sufferer in the world. A word so big and so inclusive that everyone who has ever lived fits inside of the, of, uh, the all, A-L-L, everyone, that's all of us. The gospel Jesus brings is a worldwide invitation. It has no cultural limits or national limits or even sin limits. Here are the only qualifications. All who labor and are heavy laden. Other translations read all who are weary and heavy laden. That's a good translation too. If you're working yourself to death trying to fix your life, which is labor, or if your life is weighed down by something outside of your control, which is heavy laden, all right, Jesus calls you to himself. Now, isn't that amazing, huh? Here's Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, offering himself to whom? The worn out and pressed down and weary and burdened, the needy. I mean, he could go anywhere. He could go to the powerful, the impressive, the might. But where does he go, huh? To the needy, to the lowly, to the people who can't figure life out and don't know what else to do or where else to go. To the very people he must call to attention because they can't seem to slow down enough to look at his work look at it his way. That's you and me. You, me, and us. Here's one amazing truth about the gospel that runs counter to every religion. The needier you are, the more perfect you are for Jesus. The more perfect we are for Jesus, the needier we are. There are no self-made Christians. There are only needy people who collapse, who collapse at the feet of Jesus and let him lift us up. Alright, now, if you are exhausted from working only to fail, from obeying only to sin again, from pushing the rock up the hill only to have it fall back on top of you, you are invited to Jesus. We are invited to Jesus. If you feel a heaviness on your heart that you want to be free of, sin or sorrow or anxiety or remorse or memories or uncertainties or whatever. You are invited to Jesus. We are invited to Jesus. The qualifications you need are weariness and weightedness. Your need is not a problem for Jesus. You are not adding to some burden to him. He is out there to unburden you me and us. In fact, our burden is the very thing that delights him. He loves to care for us. We can trust him. 
with who we really are because this passage tells us who he really is, gentle and lowly at heart. So we can come to Jesus, hallelujah, and when we come to Jesus and entrust ourselves into his care, he gives us something no one else can. So let's look again at verse 21. Thank you, Lord. Come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus says here something that actually only God can say. In fact, God did say it through the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. I will replenish. God didn't just say something like that one time. He said it multiple times throughout the Old Testament. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying he is the God of Jeremiah, the God of the Old Testament. He is the God who promised rest and now has come to the earth to accomplish the plan of salvation and give it in fullness to his people. Jesus isn't asking you to, or you, me, or us to deserve it. Not way back when we first followed him, or right now, or 10 years in the future when we still fall into sin. This entire passage rests on who Jesus is, not on us. Alright, he's the one making the promises. He's just asking us to trust him to come to him. Alright, so when our life falls apart, this is the verse that we can all come to. Alright, when we can't find rest anywhere else, here is Jesus, our Savior, saying, come to me. Alright, now, when all else fails, he never will. It's an offer we can't refuse. We'd be crazy to refuse it. And as we come, Jesus never leaves us in the same place he found us. He always takes us on a journey with him. Which is our second point. The pathway of Jesus. Verse uh, 29.8 A. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, given what we just saw in this verse. Uh, j- given, now, given what we have just saw. This verse is a little bit surprising, isn't it? Jesus offers rest. Then immediately says, take my yoke upon you. He didn't say, take my seat, or take my bed, or take my vacation. He said, take my yoke. Well, what's a yoke? A yoke is an agricultural term. Farmers placed a yoke on animals to use their strength to plow fields. So, wait a minute. How does this make sense? How is a yoke the natural outflow of the rest of the... What, uh... Of the rest that Jesus gives? Well, notice how he calls it his yoke. Not a yoke. Not the law's yoke. Not some other yoke. His yoke. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke of Jesus is vastly different from any other yoke. In verse 30, we will see his yoke is easy. Not heavy. Not its light. Now, we need to get something straight right away. There is no such thing as a yokeless life. It's just a matter of what we're yoked to. Coming to Jesus is not a yokeless life. One look at the Sermon on the Mount or his parables or the Great Commission should rid us of that that thought. 
When we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus as we are, but he changes us into who he is. The yoke we receive from him is not like the yoke of the Pharisees who demanded strict obedience to man-made laws. It's not the yoke of the world that demands constant change and evolution in views or or else. Jesus' yoke is easy. It's light. Jesus' yoke is light for at least two reasons. First, his yoke comes as um, it comes along with his teaching. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. To have his yoke means you will be working and that's a good thing. Despite how it may sound at first, work is not a result of the fall. God gave Adam work before he even sinned, before he ever sinned. It actually is a part of who we are. We're designed this way. As commentator Dan Doriani says, the cure for a heavy burden is not to have no burden, but a light burden and the right burden. Now, Jesus knows the right burden. He offers rest, not by inviting us to do nothing, but by leading us to the right activities. All right, now, as we move forward as a church together, Jesus will call us to work. He call, he'll call us to do hard things for him, even suffer for him. But isn't working with Christ, even in suffering, better by far than living without him? Huh? Second, his yoke isn't heavy because of who he is. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Here is what separates Jesus from everyone else. He is gentle and lowly. The word gentle means pleasant, mild, soothing, friendly. It's the opposite of rough, hard, and violent. Jesus is not out to get you or me or us. His most foundational disposition is not to destroy you, me, or us, but to save us. Not to strike us, but to comfort us. Not to do violence, but to be gentle. Now, when we go on the wrong way, he gently redirects us. He doesn't shame us. He doesn't embarrass us. He gently leads us back to himself, back to the right path, to learn afresh from him, to see him again for who he is, and to fall in love with him all over again through how he loves us. He's also lowly. Jesus doesn't need to be seen as impressive because he is impressive. So lowliness doesn't bother him at all. The word lowly means weak, insignificant, servile. This was not a virtue even in Jesus' day. It was looked down upon. Who in their right mind would be this way, huh? Well, Jesus would. At his deepest core, Jesus is a servant. He came to serve and not to be served because that's who he is. He, This is who he is at heart. He doesn't mind stooping down to our level, getting inside our messes, dying for our sins. His heart is not limited to what we deserve. It rejoices to serve the unworthy, the guilty, the sinful, the wayward, his children. We were made to be with God, so when we come to Jesus and take his yoke upon us, what we actually find is that kind of life we long to live, and we find it together. He becomes not just my Savior or your Savior, but our Savior. 
He joins us together and he begins to use us for his glory. We start getting involved in things we never could have imagined before for his sake. He shows us how to live for him. He carries the load, but he deploys us in his mission. He sends out into his fields ripe for harvest to do his work in the world. He's patient. He's tender. He's open. He's accommodating. He's understanding. We stumble. He picks us up. When we can't go on, he carries us. When we doubt him, he proves himself. When we fail, we get his success. When we sin, he's already paid the penalty. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus is willing to be yoked to us, and we aren't holding him back. Even more, he's happy to be so. He longs to be so. Nothing in him shies away from us. No sin is too great. No weakness is too much. No failure is too excessive. He comes down to our low place and takes us to his high place. And he doesn't mangle us on the way. He's gentle. He knows our frame. He knows because he's been in the weakness of flesh. But he never sinned. So his strength is far greater than ours. He knows the path and he will teach us. Jesus isn't just talking the talk. He walked the walk. He entered in. He came. Would we imagine God would get down in the field with us and pull the plow, huh? Would we imagine Jesus would make himself nothing to bring us to the Father, huh? Would we imagine the gentleness and lowliness of the God would be enough to save us from the strength and stronghold of sin, huh? But so it is. The gentle and lowly Jesus is our Savior. He's offering his yoke to teach us his ways, and he's making a promise, which is our third point, the promise of Jesus, verses 29b to 30. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here is the second time Jesus mentions rest. The first rest was an immediate rest from coming to him. This rest is the rest after the rest. The first rest is given, the second discovered. Yes, given also, but discovered along the way. The first is instant relief. The second is a lifelong journey. It's the rest of the learner, the rest of the one who, after receiving nouns, serves alongside his master. It's not a physical rest. After all, there is a yoke involved. There is learning involved. Neither is easy. It demands something of us. Jesus doesn't offer rest for our bodies. What he offers is rest for our souls. Maybe we prefer rest for our bodies. So much of our life is driven by how our bodies feel. We fall asleep at night because our bodies can't take anymore. We, there are wounds that time won't heal. You know what I'm talking about because you have these things too. What does Jesus have for us in the midst of that? rest at the deepest possible level, at the soulish level. Maybe we can't live of ourselves after what we've done, but Jesus paid the penalty for us on the cross, and he's not holding our sins over our heads. Maybe we can't forget the pain of the past, but Jesus said that doesn't have to be our future. 
He is preparing a place for us in his in our father's house. Maybe we can't turn off the anxiety of another uncertain day, but Jesus says, I'm already out there ahead of you. I know how it how this will end, and no matter what comes, no one can snatch you away from my hands. We need a rest that stretches further than today. We need eternal rest. We need to know that we can't ruin this uh sometime out in the future we need peace of heart peace with God that lasts we need a clear conscience we need the removal of guilt we need shame to disappear and Jesus through his life death and resurrection offers it all his salvation is total and complete right now for us all right now we will not do something to think about at this time due to our time limit this session and we will not answer comments from the HBS and DWJ website at this time due to our time restraint this session. All right. But for now, this is what the uh, rain cease discussion is all about. Now, with that being said, we will close out with prayer. Oh, Holy Eternal, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for providing us with revelations and a hunger to know you deeper. We ask that you grant us to see the value you have already bestowed abundantly in us and others. We ask that you give us eyes to see the stewardship we have from you in our work. We pray that these things, we pray these things in the name of the one whose image you are transforming us, our Lord and Savior. Jesus the Christ the Messiah. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for your support. HBS and DWJ is eternally grateful. Please stay tuned for other discussions of the show. You can uh, message us at, you can message HBS and DWJ at 704-412-8692. That's 704-412-8692. You can find HBS and DWJ Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Cashbox, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Jill Savon. You can find HBS and DWJ Podcast most anywhere you receive your podcast. You can also find HBS and DWJ on our website at www.com. God in our lives every day.com. That's www.godinourlivesevery.com. Or just hashtag HBS and DWJ. That's hashtag HBS space the and sign space DWJ. Don't forget to check out the HBS and DWJ store on GodInOurLivesEveryday.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at HBS and DWJ. All right. Remember to put God first and everything else will follow. Appreciate your steps in life. They are the reason you can look back at where you came from. To God goes the glory, the glory, glory.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.